0: Hey pool chasers, I hope you're having a great holiday season. On this episode, we're going to share a panel discussion that I moderated at the International Pool Spa and Patio Show this year in Vegas. It is live recording, so the audio can fade in and out a little bit depending on where the guests were sitting, but the content is so good that we thought we wanted to share it. This is episode 227 with Hal, Harry, Robert, and Nathan of National Pool Partners. Enjoy! Welcome to your go to podcast for the pool and spa industry. My name is Tyler Rasmussen, and my name is Greg Viafania, and this is the Pool Chasers Podcast. All right, welcome everybody to Hiring, Managing, and Leading Pool Service. Uh, my name is Tyler Rasmussen. I'm the co host of the Pool Chasers Podcast, also, the previous co owner of Brothers Pool Service in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm gonna be moderating here today. So we have a couple um, pre-planning questions, one for hiring, one for managing, one for leading, and we'll go in that order, and then after that, we will bring the mic around and you guys can ask any questions you want on those three topics. So um, first, can you guys introduce yourselves and your previous role and your kind of current role?
1: Yeah, uh, my name is Hal barr and I'm uh, from Austin, Texas. I started uh, my last semester of college cleaning swimming pools the week I graduated, started Patriot Pool and Spa in Austin, Texas. Uh, five years as a one-polar before we started picking up some momentum, and eventually grew to be the largest residential pool service provider in Austin, Texas. Uh, back in 2020, uh, ended up connecting with uh, Matt Stevenson, who is on our board of directors of National Pool Partners, and then Augusto Titterelli, our CEO. and Started talking about what an idea of a company like National Pool Partners uh, would be. Um, we got further down the path and decided uh, it looked like a, a fun idea, so we, we started National Pool Partners. And uh, at this point, I, I run national operations for National Pool Partners, um, so I've had a, a really fun, unique opportunity to basically perform every job function between uh, a single pole owner-operator to running an operation of 500 pool people. Um, so been able to see
2: a little bit of everything that, that the service industry has to provide, and it's been a, been a fun ride along the way. Uh, Good morning everybody, my name is Harry Geller, I'm the Vice President of Human Resources for National Pool Partners. Uh, Prior to joining National Pool Partners, uh, I was the owner of Magnolia Pool and Spa, uh, a pool service and repair company in Southwest Florida. We had about a thousand pools at the time we sold to National Pool Partners. Uh, My experience has been in three different industries in uh, retail, construction, and education. I uh, have found that the pool service is probably the most challenging of all the industries, but the most exciting. And uh, we've been, been with national pool partners for uh, just over a year. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my
3: name is Robert Daniels. I was the general manager of Pool Doctor in Cape Coral, Florida. Uh, started there in 05, worked my way up as you know, every position you can think of there. Um, the end of 2021, uh, we joined. Um, National Pool Partners. And from there, I've uh, gone a different path. I'm now a Director of Continuous Improvements and I look forward to it and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, really, really fun. So
4: uh, Nathan White. I started cleaning swimming pools when I was 19, that was about 2000, 2001, uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Worked for a small family company, about five people. Uh, did that for about twelve years, just clean pools. I love doing it. Um, moved to Austin, Texas. Jumped around to a couple of different companies. Um, eventually uh, met Hal. Um, he was I was like employee number four or five um, at the time. So that was about almost nine years ago. I started working with Patriot Pool and Spa. Um, so clean pools there. Did green really and clean turnarounds. I was a repair tech. Um, did uh, route management, um, repair management. Um, and now I am uh, the general manager of Patriot Pool and Spa, um, which sold to National Pool Partners in 2021. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've been doing.
0: Awesome. Thank you. So we're going to start with the hiring question. So what were you doing to source talent? And then once you had that talent in the door, what did you do to retain it?
1: So sourcing, you know, there's, there's all the traditional places you can post jobs, um, and, and those, those have worked fine, but our, our experience as we grew from one person to 45 people pretty quickly in Austin um, was, was employee referrals was always the absolute best way to do it, um, to, to incentivize your whole team, but hope that the best people on your team uh, were the ones that, that really grabbed onto it, and uh you know because my experience is i typically found that a players hang with other a players you know whether it's at work or or at home um and so trying to encourage them to to bring in people that that were like-minded and you know would come in also with uh, a little more knowledge as to what it is we were doing a more favorable attitude because they had you know frame of references to what it was um and and not only did we typically find that they would be the best hires they would be the hires that would would stick the longest Um, because then also there's sort of that added accountability of well, my friend brought me in here, and yeah, I don't want to disappoint anybody, and, and so it just adds that extra layer um, of, of accountability from from the employee standpoint, which really benefits us as employers. Uh,
2: so we used to try to really cast a wide net and try to attract as many applicants as we could. There's a ton of online resources, places to uh, post positions: Indeed, Craigslist, Facebook. Uh, there's there's a whole lot of places. We'd also post it to suppliers, um, kind of along with everybody else. You'd have the job boards there. Um, One of the things that actually worked for us was if you had a little tear off, um, even though in today's environment, everybody could just take a photo and call you later. If you had a little tear off, uh, that seemed to draw people to call us uh, with the phone number. So you'd cut a whole bunch of slits with the phone numbers and your your name on it. Um, But one of the most important things for retention actually starts in the interview process. You know, a lot of times, if if you go in for a job interview, uh, one of the biggest things that you want to do is make a really good first impression, right? So when you go in for a job interview, you want to look professional, you want to put on a nice shirt, and you want to make a really good first impression. When you're interviewing people, you have to be really careful about that very first impression because sometimes um, a first impression can be very negative or it could be very positive. And so when you're interviewing somebody, you have to be able to dig in and see past that initial first impression to learn about who they are, what motivates them, what drives them, and how they're gonna fit into your organization. And that's really the first step of retention is, is hiring the right people and interviewing the right people uh, right from the beginning.
3: Yeah, we, uh, we use social media a lot Every every, you know, outlet you can think of from Craigslist, Facebook, um, you know, indeed signs outside and in, the, in, the, in front of the retail store, but really we're only looking for service technicians because every other position we like to promote from inside. So that, you know, that, that retains our, uh, current employees too. They have a career path. They want to, they want to go up and go up and go up in the company. Um, and the house point, uh, you know, employee referrals were the best. They, they try to bring in, you know, friends, even, you know, somewhat close relatives, and uh, they don't want to let each other down, so that's the best. But promoting from inside has been just phenomenal because you, you keep all the same employees. Everyone is there. They know what's going on, and you just have to focus on replacing um, the, service, the service end. Repair was a promotion spot. Um, any admin inside the office, retail. So uh, promoting from the inside was, was
4: our best route. Uh, I can mirror everything they said. Um, one of the things that uh, after a couple of years of, of doing interviews and hiring people that that I came to realize was that I'm hardwired different than, you know, the people that I'm going to be sitting across from whenever, you know, they're, they're oh. getting their chance at a first impression, but so am I. And uh, a- after using a, using a, a kind of a, Kind of a personality test um, type deal. I figured out that like some people, for 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 no fault of their own whatsoever, mainly because of how I'm hardwired, like I'm gonna I'm gonna come across someone I'm not I'm just for whatever reason I'm not gonna like them, like no good reason whatsoever. Uh, But but I'm an employer, so like I don't need to let that weird like random vague thing that I that I'm thinking like I'm not sure um, get in the way. So one of the big things I did was just starting getting out of my own way. Um, if somebody can, you know, you know, show up on time for an interview, um, do all the things that you would normally expect, um, and, and just because I might not necessarily have like a, a warm fuzzy feeling about them, like I need to give them a chance uh, because some of the people that I didn't think during that first impression for whatever vague reason weren't going to make it are some of my best employees that I still have today, like five years later. Um, so that's one of the big, big lessons that I learned over the years um, doing hiring, um, and when it comes to retention. All the stuff they said works. You know, there's there's all the all the different kinds of things you do. Uh, my philosophy is kind of simple. Um, I try to be the boss that I always wanted. Um, most bosses kind of <laughs> suck. Sorry if you're a boss. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- that's simple. Um, I try to be the boss that I wanted. Um, that, that works pretty well. I have a decent amount of empathy so I can read people. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, we work... I think way too much in life. Um, and so like, try to trying to make that work environment that we spend so much more time in, a, a better time than it has to be, right? Like we have to do good work, we have to take care of our customers, we have to take care of our employees at a base level, but like trying to make that culture better than minimum requirement, right? Like make it a fun place to work, make it a cool place to work, like tell pe- people that you appreciate them, um, and in whatever way makes sense. Um, so, and and I, and I since, since they put me in charge, like that's not optional. <laughs> so, um, all of my managers are supposed to do that too. So there's no one on my leadership team that's an A-hole to their, to their employees, right? Like that stuff won't fly, well, you know, as long as I'm in charge. So, you know, I need cool bosses on my team so that the people who work for them actually want
0: to stick around. So. Um, let's move on to managing then. So were there any operating systems that you put in place to help manage
1: your team? Go on a snake or keep the same work, I'm good either way. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Were there any operating systems you put in place to help manage your team? Yeah, I'll take that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Specifically for managing the team, I think, so we, years ago we started using Slack kind of like WhatsApp. Um, it, it, so, like, when we first started communicating, uh, we would use iMessage. That became, uh, er, like, very, very messy after, like, six, seven, eight employees. Um, so, so we started using Slack, uh, and instead of having... Uh, just a bunch of DMs that, that you can label that um, that you don't really have a lot of control over. Like anyone can kind of make a channel or a team or a chat and that might not necessarily fit with like the organization of your company. right? So you can have a chat that, that has all the people in the service department uh, but it's not called service department and it doesn't necessarily have only the people in the service department communicating. So efficiencies in communication chains whatever way makes sense. Um, Slack is one of those things that you can you can actually set controls and pick what groups make sense. So like departments that are always gonna be a thing, right? Like having a chat specifically for your repair team, having a chat specifically for your cleaning team, for your finance team, um, and have those always be in the same place with the right people in them um, versus just a million different text messages and chats that, you know, kind of disappear in your thread over time, um, the way the chat works. Um, so, you know, we use Slack for that. We've iMessage, I Slack, we recently switched to Teams. Um, and, 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 you know, either way, they work pretty good. I've heard WhatsApp is a good one, um, any, any, any sort of messaging app where you can actually have some controls over, uh, you know, what channels are, are handling communication.
3: Yeah, I mean, we, we did practically the same thing, but we used, uh, for any of you gamers out there, we used Discord. So we had the Discord server set up. You can only join that server through an invite. So you invite them in there and you have the different channels. Same thing, we had help archives. You can put up pictures, um, videos. Uh, product information so any uh, new hires too can, can reference that and see okay th- this is what kind of skimmer basket this is this is what kind of filter this is so when they do call the office or need to call the uh, customer they aren't just trying to figure out what that filter is they can send it on over you get an answer from their supervisors um, office employees what have you and it holds that message there so six months down the road any other employee can go in there look and go oh that's what that filter is um, videos, you can put videos up there. What was really good is having a supervisor go out, evaluate her out, make sure that the technician's doing everything he or she is supposed to do, and upload all the, the pictures right there on the channel with the readings, what they're finding, <laughs> and it's not just hearsay. All the proof is right there. You can sit down with the, uh, the employee afterwards, go over everything that was found, teach them, um, show them what's wrong, show them the right way to do it. And it's there; they can reference it later. Um, it was an absolute game changer, and it's free. Um, videos can put up videos there. Um, the help archive is amazing. You can just you can put anything up there from repairs to you know your service plans for the new technicians once they get out there on their own the first day. Everything they learned is gone for that first day, so they can go there and they can they can look at it, read it, refresh their memory, and. Um, it, it's there. It's, it's it's an archive of of very solid information that relates to your business, your your company directly. So, that was that was the, one of the best moves we ever made.
2: Uh, so, as a small business, uh, like a lot of pool businesses, we used uh, the service program in QuickBooks. Uh, we also had uh, GPS tracking for our trucks, so we could uh, track uh where everybody's at the the biggest thing though i think regardless of what uh, operating system you use is the disciplines for the team to use the, the program so for example if you require your teams to take photos and they don't take photos then it's doing a disservice to your your company and your customer or if you require your team to clock in when they get to a pool and clock out when they get to a pool and uh, they always choose not to do that. And so they're there for no time or one minute on the, on the clock. It's a disservice to the customer. It's a disservice to, to the program. So it's really about um, setting accountability with the system that you, that you have and then holding people accountable for it um, is what I found. And that's where we had success with our operating systems so i'm going to go a
1: different way with systems rather than the software um and more more playbook right sort of the organization of people and in the business and uh, the book traction if uh, it's very popular now uh, it was less so when, when i just happened upon it many years ago if, if you haven't read it or don't have it yet go go buy it tomorrow um whether you already have a a larger company with with many employees or it's still just you and you're dreaming of getting to that point it is essentially just an operational playbook of how to run your business, how to run meeting cadences. Um, it's been proven out by thousands of users. I mean, it just flat out works. Um, and so there's really not a reason to go reinvent the wheel um, and uh, unless you just are dying to because there's already a playbook out there that, that has worked countless times. And uh, we implemented it, I think, I'm trying to think how many years ago it was, Nathan, but the first About five years ago, five, maybe. five years ago at Patriot. And um, there, there's actually, A whole sort of niche industry of professional facilitators has developed around this book Um, but that's not necessary to to make it work Uh, we did it uh, for i think the first year and a half i just read through it and i was like i I think we can just do this and so you know i I sort of tried to facilitate while also participating and and we used it for about a year and a half it was very successful Um, but then we also did notice uh, while i was trying to split time facilitating and participating um, my participation was definitely suffering because I was trying to focus on, on keeping things on task. Um, so at that point we did outsource and bring in an outside uh, facilitator and it just took us next level um, because then you know uh, you as the owner operator can, can fully devote your brain to the creativity of, of participating rather than also trying to just completely moderate every meeting along the way. Um, so that, that from a systems perspective, traction is a no brainer uh, way to run your business. Traction. Uh, Gino Wickman. Uh, Gino Wickham, I think, or
0: Wickman. Yeah. Awesome. So when you, once we hire them, we're managing them. Buy-in is a whole different thing, right? So how do you get the team to get to a point where they buy into the system, where they buy into what you're doing as a company?
1: So <clears throat> out of the gate, Nathan nailed it, um, and I, you know I think. Clearly we've worked together for many years now, so there's a lot of alignment there um, in terms of how we how we see the field and in terms of the business we would want to build, uh, it being the business we would want to work for. Um, the what we'll was we'll the, the actual prompt again because it was a second thing it was like, I was so, so another piece that I think I'm mean, you're gonna I'm gonna talk about traction a lot today probably because it's so influential in <laughs> how we've done things. Um, with traction. One of the pieces that is the scariest as a business owner uh, as you roll it out uh, is the level of financial transparency you need to give your people uh, and operational transparency to give your people so that they know how to win um, and know how to move the business forward and and so what was i had tons of anxiety before we rolled it out at least to that, to that point um you know as the owner operator i sort of kept. Uh, Everything's secret, right? Um, and and I, th- I think that's a natural tendency for us as owners. Um, traction completely blows that up. You need to have numbers out there, whether it's the total finances, KPIs, um, those, the team needs visibility into that to know how to succeed. And, and I remember for, I think the week before rolling it out, I mean, I was just a ball of nerves because I was like, okay, here's, here you go, we're showing everybody everything. And, um, but the buy-in that that achieves is, is phenomenal um, because once people, I mean people want to know how to win and when you show them how to win, they can actually go do it. Um, and so for us, that was, it took just retention, employee buy-in, completely next level. Um, when you're able to be that vulnerable with your people and show them things that traditionally in business um, weren't out in the open, they're, they're ready to, to, to go do whatever it takes to win.
2: Um, yeah, I, I think the other thing that gets buy-in is when people really know um, where they stand and what their contribution is to the organization. Um, every level is a little bit different. So if you think about in a typical pool service business that you have a pool tech uh, or repair tech, their job is to win the day. The supervisor, they got to plan and win the week. The manager has to win the month and as the owner you got to win the quarter or the year right you're everybody's looking at something a little bit differently and so it's setting realistic goals and objectives you know we ask our pool techs to do certain things and um, we want them to do do things like we do right they we want them to think like us But in many cases, that's not their job. Their job is to focus on a certain set of objectives for the day and to make it clear what those objectives are so that they can win that day and they can come back and feel the reward. Same with your supervisors, managers, uh, and yourself. Setting objectives for yourself, for your goals, of where you want your business to be and how you want to accomplish that. Um, I find that it's always good to put it down in writing and establish a, a business plan Uh, for yourself and for your business and then check how you're doing on the business plan when you work for a big company you do that all the time right so for those of you that work for big companies we're always checking on the business on where we're at weekly monthly quarterly but in a small business you have to do that yourself and have those disciplines and that's what we used to do is try to establish a plan for what we wanted to do for the year and then check back in on that
3: I think it starts right at the application. So um, we like to put our culture description right at the top of the application, a nice long story. They read that first, and they're either going to opt themselves out or in right at that point too. They're going to say, hey, I'm going to fit into this company or I'm not. Um, Once they accept that and they have the interview, be perfectly honest with them. Don't sugarcoat it, make it sound like it's the most wonderful job there is because they're anyone brand new is looking at the movies the tv series and, and and looking at that pool technician and going okay yeah i can do that real life it's not that simple um so let them know exactly what they're coming in for so if they make it through the application through the interview and they start it's not all false promises in their mind they, they know what they're signing up for um and then from there just make sure you're always straightforward with them. If, if, they're, if they're going down the wrong path, correct it for them. If they're going down the right path, you know, keep um, incentivizing that and make it known because there's nothing worse in a company than you have a, a ton of just rock stars and they're looking at two or three terrible employees that are getting away with everything. That, that will destroy <laughs> your company quicker than anything. So um, just honestly, honesty and straightforward. Just tell them exactly how it is. They're going off that path correct it you're on the right path incentivize it and make it known um, just one two three bad employees can destroy your, your entire culture your entire company because everything is being said is not being said in front of you so they're out communicating and you want those to be good conversations not terrible conversations so
4: every employees going to be a little bit different um, I think the the bulk of the service industry is entry-level cleaning positions. And I think a lot of people uh, in the workforce right now, especially in the last couple of years, they're wondering why they should give a shit um, to to go to work, right? And you can judge that whatever whatever way you want. Um, But my take is to model uh, my why, like why I come to work. Um, I like to, I I actually like people, that's not everybody's thing. There's a lot of people, I don't like people, get away from me. Um, I like people, I like to learn hard things that I'm not good at. um, And then I like to teach those things. Um, I've never been passionate about the swimming pool industry. I I don't care about pools. (laughs) I've been in it for 21 years, um, but I care about people. And so I use that why, that I care about people, that I care about teaching, that I care about, uh, but no, that's pretty much it. Um, I use that to drive me, uh, that's my passion going into work. So part of that is modeling to my employees, uh, bringing a passion, bringing bringing my why into why I come to work. Um, And part of it is uh, being consistent, Uh, being consistent in in listening to people, um, you know, creating an environment where uh, my employees feel like they can come to me and yell at me if they want to, um, versus being super quiet and agreeable inside the office. And then as soon as they go out in the parking lot, you see, uh, you know, people hanging around and talking nonstop for forty-five minutes in the parking lot when they didn't have anything to say inside. Um, that means like, that means I'm failing in creating an environment where people will actually uh, potentially get buy-in and, and figure out why they should finish it. shit. Um, and when you finally reach a magic moment where people are talking to you and giving you feedback even if you don't like it that's the moment when you listen uh, because like in this especially in this labor force when when you actually start to get buying, and people are like scratching the surface of like wanting to give you feedback you have to honor that and listen to it and like and take action on it and and, and realize that's valuable because that's your moment as a leader to like to get that buy-in and like put it to use. Uh, so that's my take on
0: it. We're gonna take a quick break. When we return, we talk about employee accountability, KPIs or key performance indicators, managing team meetings, and a few tricks for interviewing a potential employee. This episode is brought to you by Leslie's. Leslie's continues to deliver for Pool Trade professionals by providing benefits no one else can offer. The Leslie's Pro Partner program can help you grow your business through referrals while also providing their most exclusive pricing and best-in-class warranties on equipment. The Leslies Pro Partner Program is for pros looking to build a true partnership with their supplier. Stop by your local Leslies to learn how you can become a pro partner today, or check out episodes 151 and 165 of the podcast for more details. This episode of Pool Chasers Podcast is also brought to you by The Attendant. The Attendant, powered by Poolside Tech, is the latest in pool automation. Their system offers innovative features and applied intelligence to help it think and communicate with both pool pros as well as the homeowner. It offers features such as syncing your DMX lights to Spotify, built-in water leveling, dirty filter detection, and my favorite, Airbnb mode, which allows a pool owner to grant access to users with restrictions to specific pool features or defining set points for heating events. User access can also expire at a specific time. Best of all, the attendant is vendor agnostic, so it's compatible with the equipment from existing manufacturers on the market today. Learn more at poolside.tech or check out episode 194 of the podcast. So you guys mentioned kind of the accountability piece of that. Did you guys hold employee reviews or anything to, to, to manage that accountability?
3: Yeah, we have. We definitely had um, random reviews and, um, you know, scheduled reviews and, and evals, and always gave them the benefit of the doubt, let them describe what, where they went wrong and also where they went right. Um, and like Nathan was talking about, the what's the how's and the why's. So, you know, they know what they're doing, they should know how they're doing it, um, but most of them do not know why. So if you, you know, sometimes they're, they're, they're doing what they think is right, um, and it, but when they do it wrong, they don't know why that's wrong. So you, you definitely need to describe that to them and, and inform them why it's wrong. Um, you'd be surprised how many weren't doing it on purpose. So once you correct that with them, explain the why. They'll actually go have that conversation. They would talk about outside with everybody and go, oh, well, th- this, this is what it was. It wasn't that I was not trying to do my job. I just didn't understand why. So that, you know, the, the what, how, and why is, is, is huge.
4: Uh, we coach on the spot, uh, on the fly, when, when stuff comes up. We'll, we'll pull somebody, typically same day, um, if not the very next morning. Um, uh, we we also do uh, annual reviews at a minimum, um, and, and because we coach on the fly and give people straightforward feedback, um, usually the review is just talking about how the year went as a whole. There's there there shouldn't. In, in my opinion, there shouldn't be new information when you sit down with an employee for a one year review where you're telling them something that you should have told them like six months ago. Um, so we coach them apply that way people can get the information as soon as they can. That way they know if, if they're messing something up or if there's something new they need to know, they can correct, they can choose to correct it um, as soon as possible.
3: The other thing you can do too that has really helped is um, depending on you know, what positions are in your company, have the employees write down what they do. And then also have them write down what they think they're supposed to do. <laughs> Compare those two. You'll be surprised.
1: You can have a, the accountability piece I think, built into your actual meeting cadence as well. It doesn't have to be individual one-on-one every single time that, that this occurs, right? And going back to traction, that is built into the meeting cadence that the client packs. You have a scorecard at the beginning of every week of meeting. Um, and you'll create whatever kpis it is, that, that is the information that you think is important to run your business but in, in real time each week as you go through this meeting it's one of the very first pieces of the meeting it's a five minute segment of, let's review what they are and so you know by doing that there's immediately that accountability is brought and those discussions will occur in real time whether it's you know hey finance team our accounts receivable is, is higher than it should be because we're all looking at it on the screen while we're having this meeting you know, what's going on, let's dig into that. Or, you know, repair team, it looked like, uh, you know, our production um, last week is, is much lower than the last four weeks. What's what's going on? So let's figure out, do we need to troubleshoot what this is? Um, and so having something that, that puts it in front of you every single week, just starts those conversations more organically than having to
3: schedule something,
1: you know, every quarter or year or, or more.
3: One more thing to, to, to find out what might be uh, going really well in your company and really bad too, is have everyone give you one, just one each, one thing they really, really like, one process they really like, and one process they just don't understand why it even exists. And all of a sudden, you have you know, a, a large amount of the same process that nobody understands why it exists and why they even do it, that you didn't even realize. It can be changed, and all it is is just asking that question that they wouldn't tell you otherwise. And it, it'll make a world of difference. You want to
0: touch on that, Harry, from uh, the HR? Uh,
2: well, yeah, From so I got a, a couple of point of views. One, from an operational perspective, we always found that when um, people have measures, uh, key measures, uh, Hal mentioned KPIs, um, that uh, the, the numbers, in theory, they don't lie, right? So number of pools per day, time per stop, uh, whatever you're measure, measuring productivity-wise um, in your business so that uh, everybody knows where they stand. Uh, The second part though, regarding the accountability, is a lot of times, uh, so when I put on uh, my HR hat, a lot of times um, the hardest thing that managers uh, do is uh, talk to people and look them in the eye and give them feedback. It is really one of the hardest things for people to do. And a lot of times what we've seen happen is um, I talk to Hal about a person that there's a problem with, I talk to Robert, I talk to Nathan, everybody knows that there's a, per- a problem with the person, but yet I've never taken the chance to talk to the person. And then it builds up one day and I just want to terminate them or, or let that person go. And so um, from an accountability standpoint, what I find um, is that the first thing you really need to do, that we all need to do is talk directly to the person and give them the feedback. Use your peers as a, uh, uh, a source for guidance and, to you know, as a, as a as a gut check, but giving the feedback directly to the person. What I found is, over the years, uh, I've never actually had to fire anybody. It's it's really rare that I've actually ever had to terminate somebody's employment. Usually, by that point. Um, they've terminated themselves, right? They didn't follow the plan that we asked to put in place. They didn't meet the goals and objectives or the numbers, or they violated a policy or a procedure that they already knew about. So by the time you get to the termination meeting, they've already know they're gonna be terminated and it's not a surprise to them. And and
1: one thing I realized too is because I know we probably have people at every stage of employment and every stage of entrepreneurship, Uh, KPI, in case you don't know it, is key performance indicator. So just a metric to track whatever, whatever it is you're tracking
0: that was going to be my question, <laughs> um, but you were mentioning those though at, for your former businesses, what were a few of those that you were tracking that you always like to look at?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, repair department revenue. So, you know, how much, how many, how much we did in sales the prior week, how much we bought, uh, the prior week to see if there were spikes in the repair department, the cleaning department, um, that way you figure out if there was waste or, you know, um, we're not charging enough. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of things in the sales worrying, uh, Clearly, as a small business, is, is very, very vital because uh, if you want to eat, you got to make sure that you can make money. So that, those were always, uh, as you uh, know, for me as the owner, front center um, as far as what I was looking at every week to make sure we were healthy, we could keep everybody employed,
2: uh, and I could feed the family. Anything uh, We we left a lot of drive time. Um, there were. Uh, You know, so as a a small business, we could track pretty easily how frequently people were stopping at the gas station or how long their drive time was. And so we wanted to bring drive time down to um, have efficiency in the routes with something we measured.
4: Employee culture guy here. Uh, We counted shout outs, like uh, how many times a customer would reach out and uh, give an employee a compliment. Um, We tracked that, we tracked online reviews. That way we know if if we're getting consistent feedback from customers, uh, reputation-wise. Oh, we counted uh, 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 how much it cost when we screwed up. Uh, That was was a good thing to track, because usually uh, if if you get a big big number pop up, um, you can dig into those things. Like, you know, mistakes happen, but um, if you start to see trends in those mistakes that you're consistently paying for, uh, that can feed meeting content. Uh, where you're like all right we need to talk about this thing and, you know three people tripped over chlorinated hose last week like we need to talk about being more mindful <laughs> so yeah yeah
3: the, i mean they all hit it on the head but another good one too if you have a, a fairly large repair department is keep track of the follow-ups and see how many follow-ups are repeat follow-ups because at, at that point you know your team knows nothing about that particular repair and that's what you need to focus on next um and then once that's gone look at the next one okay you know this PBC leak on, uh, you know, this filter every time you have a follow-up you're losing money there and it's repeat 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 Let's have a little training on that and get caught up. So And and that that reminded Nathan reminded me uh, of one that we had that I think was a a little unique um, That that goes to this
1: topic that Robert mentioned earlier about promoting from within and moving people from within all the time one thing that worked really well for us uh, that, that I'm a huge advocate for is even even office positions that that don't typically or necessarily need pool experience. I, I loved trying to staff all of those with people who had been in the field in some form or capacity or had worked at distribution or, or need, could speak the language. Um, and so, so that was always important. And we would move people around, say if someone, you realize someone's not gonna hang in 105-degree heat, but they, they love the industry, they love the, the environment of the company, and they, they show some aptitude for doing things that we would need in the office. Let's move them into the office. And and where where I'm going with this is one of our KPIs was legit complaints. Because since every single one of us in the office at Patriot knew the industry and had had lived it, we could very easily, you know, it would make sense to track complaints, right? But we all know oftentimes uh, customers give us complaints that are not legit. Um, And so we would make sure to address the ones that were real um, but also be able to vet out the ones that, that really didn't require addressing uh, and talking to to somebody on the team about.
3: And, and that's a good point too with, with and it helps with retention, something that you know most companies have always believed in and and, 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 and you know went by and uh, I'm against it where they say the customer's always right. My opinion they're not. I've actually told a customer that to their face <laughs> that they're not that you're you're not right, right. I'm sorry. But if you always take the customer's side, regardless, your team's not going to like you. You know, if the customer's right, the customer's right. But if the customer's completely wrong, you need to have your team's back. And nicely, professionally let that customer know. But that, that's huge. And uh, the other thing that I was talking about with, you know, hey, I love this job. I love this and I love that. That is last year, two years ago, um, I had everybody in my company write down what they thought about their job. And some say, you know, it, it's good. It's, it's all right. I like it. We have a few say, I absolutely love it. So the ones who love it, you know, they're in there for the long run. So, um, you know, you don't like your wife or your husband. You love them, you know. <laughs> so um, finding that, too. So I, I really like just one-off questions and answers. And it tells you a lot about each one of your employees and, and how you're doing. So. Nathan, can you talk about, like, your
0: team meetings and how you manage some of those service team meetings and things like that because I think that's a big culture piece that I know you guys at Patriot have that a lot of people struggle with, you know, when it's early morning and nobody feels like they care, how do you manage a team and get them to, like, really engage in that?
4: Oh, to, to do consistent meetings? Uh, yeah, yeah, um... The, the meetings have to make sense. Uh, meeting meeting to have a meeting because everybody's confused. The easiest way to make people not want to show up and fall asleep in the middle of the meeting. Um, have have a scorecard that tracks things that matters to everyone in the room. Um, you know, if, if it's your cleaning team, track how many uh, weekly cleaning customers you have that week. Track customer shout outs and do them publicly. You know, the whole like praise publicly and critique, you know, uh, in private and stuff like that. Um, be consistent yourself as a leader <laughs> show up on time to the meeting that you're making everybody go to um, Mind for content like uh, We have a section in our meeting uh, that I pull out not every single week because that would be a little ridiculous But I have a, a meeting section. That's called what sucks and I uh, just ask everybody like what sucks right now in business um, and, and we mine content that way like that's a really popular section in the meeting Um, we, we almost always bring food, coffee, stuff like that to the meetings so that, um, you know, say, say 25% of the people don't want to necessarily be there. Then they're like, all right, I'm getting free tacos this morning. Like, it's a little bit of a perk. um, uh, having, having, uh, having a time, a time schedule set itinerary, um, the software that we use for the meeting, um, that we put up on the big screen actually shows the sections of the meeting. So when people go in, they're not wondering. How long is the meeting? What are we going to talk about? Um, How long are the sections? You actually see like section one, segue. We're all going to share a personal thing and a business thing. It's going to take five minutes. Um, We're going to review our scorecard. That's going to take five minutes. Um, We're going to talk about issues. That's probably going to take thirty minutes um, if if you're doing that properly. Um, So just having the meeting makes sense. Um, Repair the repair team has a, a weekly meeting. The cleaning team has a weekly meeting. Um, my leadership team has a weekly meeting, and that's the uh, me plus the one uh, lead from each department that I have, um, cleaning, repair, finance. Um, so, yeah, the, the right people in the room for the meeting and um, only the meetings that you need and don't have fluff in there. If, if you know, say you try a meeting format like traction and, and one of the sections in there for a department doesn't make sense, get it out of there. Right, like don't don't have form, you know, sections of the meeting that suck and provide no value, um, just to do it, and just to you know do it consistently. And if there's something that you would like to add to the meeting, um, don't don't be rigid on a format and be like, oh, we can't add that. Um, you know, add add sections to the meeting to make sense. Um, but I mean, overall, be consistent yourself as leaders. Um, you know, show up on time. Don't don't be the one late to the meetings. Um, don't be canceling meetings last minute for no good reason. Uh, be consistent. Set a time. Do it the same time every single week, um, and you know that's that's how we do it. And if it's an all hand meeting, we have the whole company
1: together. Like make it fun too, right? Do 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 some stuff to get people engaged. Wake them up in the morning. You know whether it's like I, I think some of the most like memorable meetings we've had back in the, in the Patriot days. Um, usually just had something totally goofy in it. Like we had we had a, a, ga- a guy who was in the army that loved yoga, and like he was like, "We're going to do yoga to start the day." It was hilarious watching <laughs> <bunch of> forty five <laughs> old people sit there complaining, and grumble, but like everybody like all of a sudden is completely engaged. Or you know have some trivia questions where you're, you're throwing cash out. Or we'd have little Mario Kart tournaments uh, to get to get it kicked off, so everybody's competitive juices are flowing. And then okay, let's get into the real stuff now. So you know having fun with it. Um, getting people's brain turned on, even if it is a time of day or uh, or place where they don't want their brain turned on, um, yes. so that then it's active and ready to be used for whatever you want to use it for, uh, for the company.
0: Emails? Um, I got one more question, Harry, and then I'll open up to the audience. Can you, I feel like hiring now is kind of a, a two-way street, right, where before we held the cards a lot. Now it's kind of like they get to pick and choose a little bit of what they want and who they want. Do you have any recommendations on how to play that that two-way back and forth?
2: Yeah, so, so hiring's definitely been a challenge for a while, um, you know, in not only in the pool service industry, but just about everywhere. So the the big thing is to be able to um, show what we have to offer, you know, how we're different than the company right down the street and we're we're at, there's companies everywhere that do what we do and people can bounce around very quickly. So we have to show what is our competitive advantage and why it's important to come work for us. When we look at, at pool tax, what we want to look at is how long do we think they're going to stay and, and we try to design it so that when we hire people, we want them to stay one full year. We don't want people to leave after a a couple of days or a week or even a a few, uh, a month, because the investment in training, right? So you have, uh, we had something called a rookie to ready program. So somebody that didn't have any pool experience, uh, they would go through 30 days of training, two weeks of um, hands-on training with an experienced trainer, one week on their own to make all the mistakes they need to make, and then a fourth week where they would uh, go back with the trainer uh, to, to figure out everything that they needed to learn. So, in 30 days, it's a 30 day investment in training. And so, when people know that we're investing in them and we're investing in uh, their well being. Um, they're gonna wanna come and join the company. The thing is, is we don't want them to leave. We we don't wanna hire people with the intention of of having them leave. But we also know in today's environment that people aren't going to stay in a position for a lifetime that just doesn't exist anymore. So we try to target one year. If after one year uh, they're still doing well and still engaged, we found that they typically then will stay two to three to four to five years or so and in our company. Uh, we, when we bought it, there's still employees that are that here, there today, uh, six years later, seven years later. And so it's getting through different humps and showing uh, why we're investing in, in employees. So that's the biggest thing. The other thing is, is what do you offer? A number of our companies, uh, our number of your companies offer um, really good things, right? Paid training, paid uniforms, benefits, um, profit sharing, uh, various, you know, nice trucks. Uh, There's various things that um, all of you probably offer. And it's important for candidates to know what you offer and sell it. So in the old days, right, when we first had our company, we had enough candidates that come in we could be very selective and move through candidates very quickly today we can't be as selective um and so we have to be able to draw people in and sell what we have to offer to, to bring them in and,
1: and uh, on the interview front i think you know almost everybody traditionally just thinks of the interview as the candidate selling themselves to you as the employer um i don't know my, my personal take from the from the very beginning and it's so far it's been very successful. So I've you know, find people like Nathan and, and Justin Hormley who runs Texas for us is it, a good interview's gotta be 50-50. It is, we would go through and, and, and my, my team that would interview with me would, would start to learn the cadence too of like, okay, if we're, I'm, the first part, we are interviewing the candidate. The, the candidates are there to sell themselves to us, we're going through all that. If, if, if during that, that sales pitch, it's clear this candidate's not a fit for us, okay, stand up, shake the hand, Thank you for coming in, and and let's go ahead and end the interview so we're not wasting anybody's time. Of course, I'm not saying that out loud, but that's the motto. I'm not going to waste their time, I don't want to waste my time sitting there selling to somebody I know I don't want to buy what I'm selling. Um, If it was a good candidate, as soon as they're done selling themselves, it immediately flips, where it's a 50-50 split. I'm going to spend just as much time selling to them why they want to come and join the team. And it's going to tell the whole story, from where we've been, where we are today, where we're going, and why that person wants to jump on the ride with us and, and do it. Um, and so for, you know, to me, that, that, that should be the way we all interview. Uh, if you wanna find the people that, that really, you have alignment with and, and are gonna enjoy working with. Um, and, you know, a, a huge piece of that is selling yourself
3: just as much as they're there to sell themselves to you. And really, um, that, that first interview is very important. Um, when, when somebody's leaving, well, a lot of uh, companies don't have the practice of is an exit interview that is almost just as important as the first interview um i can't tell you how many employees i've saved and they're still on board do that exit interview there was something that was bugging them or, or just eating at them that they never said out loud simple answer simple uh resolution to 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 fix that situation and then they stayed so now you don't have to hire somebody to, to replace them you uh you made that employee happy, he's immediately gonna go out there, talk to other employees and go, hey, you know, um, so-and-so just, just I- I'm happy now, I'm staying. So if you have a new hire starting and everybody he's talking to is telling him, I've been here for two months, I've been here for three months versus everyone he talks to, I've been here for six years, I've been here for eight years, I've been here for nine years. They're gonna say, this is the, this is the place to be, I wanna stay here. But if all your employees have been there for two months, three months, they're gonna go, what, what's wrong? Why is, you know, nobody's staying. So that exit interview, Is extremely important.
0: Hey, Pool Chasers! Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. To connect with today's guests, including pictures, links, and resources from everything discussed today, you can visit the episode page at poolchasers.com or click the links below. To connect more with us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter by searching at poolchasers. If you would like to support the podcast, the easiest and most effective way is to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as share the show or your favorite episode with a friend or on social media. Also, you can get early access to each episode by supporting us through Patreon. We know your time is valuable, so thank you for sharing some of yours with us today.
2: See out there, pole chasers.